Welcome to the Plenteous Redemption Podcast, where the cross and the culture are on a collision course for discussion. For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness. But unto us which are saved it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and will bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this world? Hath not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? For after that in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. For the Jews require signs. The Greeks seek after wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified. Under the Jews a stumbling block, under the Greeks foolishness, but under them which are called both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. Now, here's your host, Thomas Irvin. Welcome back to the Plenteous Redemption podcast. And once again, we're going to pick up where we left off concerning worldview matters. And um, today, or this this podcast, we're going to look at a different, a few different perspectives. And, and again, we're still we're talking about worldview in terms of it being an anthropological concept, and still tracing the historical uh, background and value of the term. So. We're going to pick up today, ironically, looking at the Marxist perspective. And um, there, there is nothing good about Marxism. There never has been. There never will be. It is a deathly failing concept and, and economic perspective. It causes death everywhere it shows up. So th- our point here is not to give any credence to Marxism. That wouldn't be helpful to anybody. That would that would somehow encourage the mass graves that have been formed all over the world um, thanks to Marxism. All right, so over time, and generally speaking, the Marxist perspective identified worldview as a person's view of reality. That was a legitimate concept within the Marxist um, philosophy. And... uh, it's an ideological and philosophical teaching that you have to contend with. Uh, Marxism is, um, but at one point, and again, just because a, a highly destructive ideology has some, it may have some good points to it. There may be some legitimacy to some of the things that they have to say, but overall it's a, it's just a destructive idea. It, it, it does nothing but cause death. But they had this one thing right. They, they, they had this connection between your perspective on life and reality. And, and it's something we're going to look at a little bit more in the coming podcast and in, in, in the, in the coming broadcast. Um, reality is fixed. It doesn't change. Your perception of reality might change. That's very important to remember. That distinction has to be there. And uh, we either have already talked about it or we will talk about it more. Uh, I disagree with the idea that a worldview is 
is, you know, that, that reality changes according to the worldview. That's not, that's not true. I, I don't think that's the case. Some would argue that's the case. Reality is what you perceive it to be is, is essentially what they would say. We know that's not true because we now have people who perceive that in the realm of reality, you can just change your gender. That there's, there's nothing true about that whatsoever. And, and, and everyone knows that. No, no one believes, honestly, that you can, you can change your gender. Uh, th- those are fixed biological facts. And, um, and, and it comes up a lot in our programs because it's one of the m- biggest problems we're dealing with today. In fact, the people who believe these things have been allowed to implement legislation and, or uh, rules within a school or, or college and university that will allow your children to, to physically try and change something that cannot be changed, whether it be through medication or butchery through surgery, horrendous ideas. At least at one time, Marxism believed reality was a fixed, was a fixed thing (laughs) that you had to contend with. Your perception of it might be off or it might be on, but reality doesn't change. And the reality is God made them male and female. You're one or the other. And it was determined physically, biologically, not through a social construct, physically or biologically. It, it, it is a reality the moment you're conceived before you're born. After you're born, it's just made unbelievably apparent you were born a male or a female. Again, you can claim to be non-binary you can claim to be something other than what you are. That is has nothing more than a claim. It's, it's just a claim. There's nothing, else, there's nothing to it. There's nothing substantial to it. There's no reality to back it. Anyways, that is a far cry from today's Marxist perspective. Uh, today, they are wholly given over to postmodernism. And this odd mixture of Marxism and postmodernism proves the level of incoherence people are willing to accept to obtain power. There's no other reason to accept it. You, you, have, to, you have to work outside the bounds of reality and, and try and force everybody else into that box in order for you to come back into reality and, and, and take power to yourself. Um, it's, it's working for, for them mostly because the people who try and live within reality are too, are too um, timid and shameful to admit it. And, and that, that has to stop. No doubt they will turn on one another once they get their power. That's a reality in Marxism. Marxists use the people they, they, call, they often call the useful idiots to help them get into power. And they lead these people to think that once the socialists have helped the Marxists gain power, then the socialists will be rewarded in some way. And that's not how it works. They will immediately turn on you and take you straight to the Lubyanka. <laughs> You're going to go straight to prison. You're going to go straight to a camp of some sort. Um, you might be executed. It, it, and, and, you know, Alexander Solzhenitsyn once said that um, Stalin could never believe that his enemies had ceased to exist. Never. He, he could never get to a point where he thought, okay, whoever is against us, they're gone now. That's not how it works in Marxism. 
you keep having to turn on each other all the way up the realm of power until, until there's nobody left or until like Stalin, you're taken out <laughs> till they get rid of you. Um, and so, so that's Marxism started with the, with, with some form of presupposition that reality was a fixed idea. It was fixed and that you had to contend with the fixed reality. But as they teamed up with postmodernism, they went down the road with everybody else to, to sheer confusion. Marxism is a very structured uh, concept and depends heavily upon a religious style narrative. Marxism essentially is a, is a strong religion. That's really all it is. Postmodernism rejects both structure and narrative. And by the way, they tend to hate religion except for their own. And yet they are willing to overlook their abiding contradictions if it will allow them to achieve short-term objectives. They don't care. They have, there is no purity to what they believe or, or teach. Not when the potential to take over is there. <laughs> Marxism as a religious philosophy is in many ways coherent, though highly inaccurate. Again, that takes us back to uh, when we began talking about the idea of a worldview um, if you can get the collective, you know, the, the, the larger mass of society to follow along, it doesn't matter if it's coherent or incoherent, but if they, if everyone participates collectively, you create this semblance of coherence. So if you can get enough people to color their hair green and call themselves the opposite gender, you can create this idea of coherence. See, it must be true. We have badgered enough people into agreeing with us. Um, but that, it, again, it, it doesn't mean that it, it's correct or that it's right or accurate. Um, none, of, none, of that, none of that matters to them at all. The inaccuracy is in line with the lack of honesty found prominent in Marxists throughout history and worldwide. For them, it does not need to be honest or accurate. It just needs to feed the revolution. And that's the ultimate idea of Marxism. Um, how do you, how do you get revolutionaries to be honest and trust each other <laughs> by, by their chosen religious nature with their, with, with the foundation of that religion being Marxism, they are telling you up front, I'm a revolutionary. I intend to tear down, to destroy, to, to deconstruct reality itself. If we have to, uh, they're, they're informing you up front that that's who they are. And so why would you? Why would you intermingle with people of that sort at any time? It's you enter into a, a, a world of distrust. The Marxists of the 1980s believed that people existed within the real world and their relationship to reality, or at least certain realities, was meaningful. This is a postulate they had been required to abandon, at least partly to coexist with their partners in crime, the postmodernists. But considering their theory, which argued for the importance of human connection with reality, it then views worldview in terms of human interaction with said reality. It, it has to. And while Karl Marx was an insane person, um, you know, his, some of his cohorts were slightly less insane um, but they were terrified of him because he, he was a bully and they probably don't get too far away from him because he owed them money. <laughs> he 
He owed everybody money. He was a loser. Um, but generally speaking, Marxists have had this attachment in the past. They had this attachment to reality. Now, again, their perception of that reality, we would disagree with, you know, the, the, the underclass, you know, this class struggle, it, it, you know, there are a number of reasons why Marxism has been a complete failure, but the reason it didn't happen the way Karl Marx prophesied it would happen is because the class struggle he he thought was so prominent in England and then carried over into America didn't exist. And and rather than revolution being the answer to to struggles between classes, if you will, I, I, you know, you're going to struggle to find classes of people in America. It just it doesn't exist. If you did outline a series of, of classes within America uh, your, your next struggle is going to be trying to put people into them because today you can be a millionaire and tomorrow you can be dead broke or today you can be dead broke and tomorrow in America, you can be a multimillionaire. So, so you're going to jump from class to class and maybe even multiple times throughout life. I mean, most Christians are aware of Dave Ramsey who lost everything as a young man. He, 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 became a, a realtor or got in, got involved in real estate of sorts and um, quickly became a millionaire. But according to his own admission, he did it all the wrong way, lost everything. Uh, I'm not sure if he went bankrupt or not, but he, he lost everything. He describes it as a terrifying situation that he and his wife had to go through. Now he's worth 200 plus million dollars. <laughs> what class are you going to put him in and at what time? And how does his struggle affect him since he's been in multiple classes? It just, it, it, it makes no sense. It, 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 it's not as black and white as they want you to think. And that reality is made clear because the revolution never came. Now I did in Russia, but Russia is a whole different world. There are, there are, or at least there were classes and potentially even class struggles in Russia but it became very clear that Marxism was not the solution to, to those problems. And um, in fact, uh, Marxism took over hundreds of millions of people throughout the world with, with Marxism on the rise died. 60 to 80 million of those were in Russia alone. And, um, and, then, and then Russia collapsed under the weight of Marxism after millions upon millions of people had died. So it's not the solution. It's a fanciful, energetic ideology that gets people stirred up, but it doesn't have any solutions. Now, these reality-based themes must be thought through for man to live an integrated and productive life. First, who am I? And how do I gain an understanding of self? That's important. Now, as Christians, we answer this from a biblical perspective. God said, there's none that doeth good. No, not one. There's none righteous for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. So we answer this question by saying, I am a sinful creature that deserves the wrath of God. That's the Christian perspective. But see, every other philosophy out there is also trying to answer that question. And they have some suggestions, but they have no answers. And having that answer is, is powerful. It's important. It gives you real perspective on who you are and what you're capable of. And knowing that is, is humbling. 
it, it can humble you and, and, and it causes you to recognize I had the same sinful nature that, that every other sinful being in this world has, which means I have the potential to be as evil as they are or as, as good as they are. But good, of course, is relative. It's, it, it's relative to the best man you know. When you start comparing good to God and to Jesus Christ, all of a sudden you realize there is none good, <laughs> none but God. So with the knowledge of self, one must also include the relationships with self. That is to other people, animals, religious ideas, objects, or anything that is not the individual, the self. Of course, this is reasonably practical and very much in line with many facets of reality. It makes one wonder how Marxists could be responsible for so much death everywhere it is introduced in the world. And that, that is an objective fact. That is not a political opinion. Uh, Marxism, socialism brings death. If your government is Marxist or socialist, you mark it down. Death is coming. It, it may be later than sooner, or it may be sooner than later, but it is coming. It, it is going to cause people to die. It always does. With this perspective on world worldview, one would be expected to understand their place within society. Some societies heavily emphasize corporate responsibility, and it is shameful to let down the overarching society in any way. These ideas can be found in Marxist societies as well as in so-called honor societies. For more than 200 years in the West, we have maintained societies that believe in individual responsibilities and individual liberties. These ideas are breaking down as socialism and Marxism make their slow and thorough march through the institutions of our societies. Modern America is a perfect example of a society where the connection to worldview, universals, and absolutes are being deliberately torn down. They're under heavy attack. Often the conflict is taken to the streets. Thus far, the large crowd who still believe in individual freedom and liberty have been passive so far. But the, the, the Marxists and socialists among us, Antifa, Black Lives Matter, um, you know, Bernie Sanders and his crowd, AOC and her crowd, uh, Nancy Pelosi and her crowd, all, all the socialists, you know, most of these are the useful idiots that are being used by someone who intends to come in and, and convert America to, to a socialist communist framework. Um, so far, those of us who believe in freedom and liberty have been relatively quiet, hoping that the political institutions in place will remain and that Lord willing, through the electoral process, maybe we can continue to push out, you know, the, the socialists and the Marxists. And, and there have been a lot of, there, there has been a lot of, you know, we, we've made a lot of progress in that regard um, as things like critical race theory and transgenderism and all this sick, twisted, uh, all these sick, twisted ideologies have made their way into our schools and parents are finding out while you've been sleeping on parenting and you just drop your child off and let the school teach them what they want, you found out that they were teaching your children that they are racist, bigoted, and, and by the way, your son is probably a girl. 
That's, that's what they've been teaching your children. Well, that, that got people quite stirred up. That was, that was a bit problematic and probably, probably a step too far in revealing their cards. And, and now that, that passive crowd is becoming less passive. And if they ever get shaken out of their passivity, you're going to have a big problem on your hands. Um, people who love freedom and liberty want to leave you alone and let you do what you want. And they want you to leave them alone and let them do what they want. That's the idea of freedom and liberty um, within reason, obviously. But when you start forcing your ideology on different people, uh, especially when that ideology involves the mutilation of their children, you're, you're going to wake a sleeping giant. And I can't wait to see it. Now, I don't want to see revolution. I don't want to see people get hurt. But I do want to see the freaks in our society who think it's acceptable to mutilate children. I'll be happy to see those people dealt with. That's a personal opinion. Now, it remains to be seen which worldview will dominate in the end. But one of them will. Of a certainty, uh, one of them will absolutely dominate. Societal norms can only vary to a reasonable degree. Collectivism and individual liberty cannot wholly exist, not, not together. But the Marxist perspective continued in its analysis. They would add classification and causality as requirements within their concept of worldview. This is in line with Marxist doctrine. Where would any Marxist ideology be without its variations of class warfare? Classification and causality in the mind of a Marxist must come with a specific bias that majors on some form of divisive identity. Finally, the Marxist perspective would include the relationship between space and time. This would interface not only with geographical ideas, but also with personal space and morality, as would be expected by the strict religious nature of Marxism. This is a very rigid take on worldview, but you would expect religious perspectives to be very rigid. and. The Marxist worldview is, is just that. It's a, it's a religious perspective, and because it is religious in nature, it is, uh, it is very rigid. And, um, and it doesn't like change to any real degree. It doesn't like to reformulate its ideas to any real degree unless it's enticed with power. Then maybe, maybe they will not only change, but they will take the exact and the, the antithesis to their ideology, which would be postmodernism, you know, when, within, a, within a religious framework like uh, Marxism, you, its adherents are expected to, to toe the party line without question. And if you don't, the Karl Marx type figure will come in and, and they will badger you and they will cancel you and they will bully you into doing what they say. That, that's who Karl Marx was. He was a, a loudmouth loser who never lived in accord with what he taught. Um, you know, he had a, a maid who lived in his house who he didn't pay, but he impregnated her by, you know, sleeping with her behind his wife's back. <laughs> And then when she had her son, he wouldn't allow him to come into the house. He could come meet her on the back porch. He might let him come into the kitchen, but he was not allowed to come into the house, um, even though that was his, his own son. Uh, Karl Marx was a grade A primetime loser. 
but his concepts, his ideology, his philosophy, you know, his Hegelian philosophy is the foundation of Marxism. And though he lived his life absolutely contrary to what he taught and his, his fight for the common man, for the working man, for the working class, he never worked. He owed people money because he continually borrowed money. He, you know, he owed Ingalls money. He owed his father and mother money. His father literally wrote a letter and told him, don't contact us again. We're done with you. <laughs> we're, we're, you're finished. All you do is take, 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 take. You, you, you never pay back. You never give back. You're not here to, to be productive in any way. You only want to take. This is where the lack of integration comes in. You know, the way you live, that's what you believe. So if you claim to be a Marxist, but you, and, and, and the premise of that is class struggle and your fight for the working man, but you're not a working man, and anytime you have had any interaction with working men or women, you impregnated them and withheld money that you owed them, no one believes, no one should believe that you are concerned about helping the working man. Your concept, your ideology, your religion is over here. The way you act and live is over here. There's no integration between them. Well, the same is true for you, Christian. If you claim to be a Christian, you claim to belong to Jesus Christ, well, and the foundation of that claim is your belief in the Word of God. Well, if your life in no way resembles the Word of God, nobody believes you. And no one should believe you because you're, you're, you, you live out, you act out what you believe. The way you act on a daily basis, the choices you make, your relationships, places you go, what you eat and drink, all of that is factored in to what you believe. And if your belief is in the word of God, then there should be no alcohol for drink. There should be no bars to visit. There should be no uh, lying, cheating, stealing, not paying your bills, not doing things that you're not maintaining your responsibilities, not being, not maintaining your fidelity to your wife or your husband, uh, assuming that you're a man, you married a wife. And if you're a woman, you married a husband, not some strange gender neutral uh, creature that's in between those things. You, you, you know, you, you can't go participate in the psychotic, the psychotic ideologies of this world and claim to be a Christian. It doesn't work that way. You don't get to have both. I don't know why you would want both. Why do you want to be called a homosexual Christian? You know they are in direct conflict with each other. There's no question about that. It, it, it is, there is absolutely no question about that whatsoever. And still, you want to adopt the title Christian. I, I don't understand why. Why do, why do you want to be a Christian fornicator? Now, you wouldn't admit that, but if you, you, can't, you can't be a fornicator and go around telling people that you're a Christian. That makes no sense. Just, just either live one or the other. Stop telling people you're a Christian because you just like, you like to fornicate and you don't want to do anything God said in that regard. Or quit fornicating before it gets you into serious trouble, and it will get you in serious trouble. 
either children out of wedlock, which that's a big problem, or disease, that's a big problem. And, and any, you know, jealousy, uh, any, any number of other issues that can come along because you won't do what the Bible says and keep your clothes on. You want an integrated philosophical perspective on life, an integrated worldview. And so, again, you know, we, we got a little sidetracked. <laughs> I guess that's my fault. Um, but we'll, we'll pick back up next time with dynamic models of worldview. And again, I hope this is helping. I hope it's a blessing to you. Thank you for listening and God bless. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. You can learn more about our ministry by visiting www.plenteousredemption.com. You can hear more Plenteous Redemption podcast audio at www.plenteousredemption.media. Please comment below if this podcast has been a help to you. Also, inform us of future topics that would interest you. Thank you again for listening to the Plenteous Redemption podcast.